Hello, and welcome to this Solace Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solacechurch.com. Matthew chapter 6, as I mentioned, we're continuing our series, Summer on the Mount, studying the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus delivered here, Matthew 5 through 7. All red letters, Jesus preaching on top of a mountain to his followers. Uh, and in this, this passage, Jesus is describing what it looks like to live out uh, the kingdom of God here on earth. What does it look like to live as a citizen of the kingdom here on earth? And that's what Matthew 6 is all about. Uh, when we read uh, the kind of people and life that Jesus describes here, we get a glimpse of who Jesus is making us to be and the kind of life that he's calling us to live. We're not there yet, but we're not where we were. We are where we need to be, which is walking with Jesus, and he's the one taking us by the hand and by his spirit. He's making us these kinds of kingdom people, and now more than ever, it's the time for Christians not to be earthly people, worldly people. It's the time right now more than ever, man, in our society for us as Christians to really be taken to heart. What does it look like to be a kingdom person, to be a Jesus person, not just a political person, not just a hot take person, but all that stuff matters, but only second to first our ultimate allegiance to Jesus. And so uh, this is helpful for us to to learn about this. So today, Matthew 6, all right, uh, verses 25 through 34, that's our teaching text. We're going to read it together. The context here, remember, is Jesus talking about originally material things. Last week, we talked about money and possessions and how to navigate our assets, and uh, Jesus giving us some financial advice uh, last week. And now, in light of material possessions, Jesus is now going to shift his attention to this, this topic of worry. Worry, so pretty relevant to the times we're living in right now, I I think, when we think about worry. And so, uh, what does Jesus have to say? Let's read it. Matthew 6, starting there in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this command here. Father, we need to hear your voice today. 
especially in times like this, we need to hear you saying to us, don't worry. Don't worry. And God, we need to hear that because of how prone we are to worry. Um, And so, Lord, today we ask for your peace to be produced in a greater way in our lives. We ask, God, that by your word and by your spirit, where there's worry, God, you would replace it with trust and faith in you. Lord, I've, I've prepared a sermon here, um, but I need your spirit. I need your, your touch. I need your help. And so, God, I just commit this time to you, and I invite you to speak to us, to speak to me, speak to all of us through this study. Thank you for your words here. Give us ears to hear what you want to speak to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, Matthew 6, a very, for most of us, a familiar passage. Uh, But today, as we unpack this incredible passage of Scripture, I want to preach from the title simply, No Worries. No Worries. That's an expression I like to use whenever someone's like, bro, my bad. I'm like, man, no worries. No worries. Uh, or even it's, it's actually come to mean like you're welcome. You've noticed that? Like, hey, man, thank you. Hey, no worries. It's like, well, I wasn't worried. I was just saying thank you. All right? But no worries. Now, it's certainly an appropriate title. Uh, as Jesus in this passage, we have Jesus three times in this section that we just read, not only warning against worry, but Jesus is commanding against it. Three times in this passage, Jesus says to you, he says to me, he says to all of his followers emphatically, do not worry. Don't worry. In verse 25, it's don't worry about your life. Verse 31, it's don't worry about your food or or the basic necessities of your life. In verse 34, it's don't worry about tomorrow. It's all generally saying the same thing. When it comes to your life, when it comes to what you need, when it comes to what the future holds, Jesus says, Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry. No worries. Now, uh, this idea isn't a foreign concept to us or even our culture, is it? We have countless songs. We have whole mantras that are dedicated to this sentiment. Uh, Whether it's Bob Marley and the Wailers, one of the, the, the best, singing, Don't worry about a thing, okay? Because every little thing, I won't continue that, all right? Or Timon and Pumbaa. Come on, can't forget Timon and Pumbaa teaching young uh, prodigal Simba. Hakuna Matata, Simba. It means no worries. Maybe I should have entitled the sermon uh, Hakuna Matata, according to Jesus. (laughs) Hakuna Matata. Uh, There is, listen, in light of this, and there's many more. We can go on and on. I know right now in your head there's all the different don't worry songs coming in. But um, the idea here is that there is a general understanding among us that worry is a problem, and it's something that we should actively avoid or, and or we should seek to overcome. Worry. Now, let's stop and let's start in a basic sense asking, what does Jesus mean here when he uses the word worry? What, what does he mean by saying, don't worry? Now, the word worry here in this passage can be literally translated anxious concern. That's what Jesus is saying here. This is important to really just, let's just take a moment to understand what we're commanded not to do. Jesus says, he commands us, don't be anxiously concerned with your life. Uh, We get another glimpse of this from Paul in the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, where Paul says, be anxious for nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is the same spirit of what Jesus is saying here about our lives, not to be anxiously concerned for anything. Now, I think it's important to point out that Jesus is not saying to not care about anything. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, in in, in saying to be worryless, he's not telling us to be careless. In fact, that's where... I feel like my wife and I, we face a lot of tension uh, because if there's a spectrum of worry, my wife tends to be, uh, she tends to lean more towards the worrying side, but my weakness, though I definitely can be an expert in worrying, my weakness is I tend to lean more towards the careless side. So uh, where she's like very passionate about issues of life, I can be a little bit more apathetic and it looks like faith, but it actually can be carelessness. It's like, yeah, don't worry about it. It's like, well, you should worry about it, okay? So there, there is... There is a difference, here's what I'm getting at, there is a difference in life between being illegitimately worried and legitimately concerned, okay? To be concerned, to have care about things in life, let's say, that you can control, to have genuine care is a good thing. You'd be a good parent to care about where your kids are playing at in your neighborhood or if they're in the street or not, okay? You know, stop worrying. Just let your kids do whatever they... No, obviously, there's healthy care. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is not saying not to have any concern. What he's talking about here is when concern and care goes wrong. On the same token, this idea of being concerned in an unhealthy way is anxiety. That's what Jesus is getting at. The idea here is not caring, but it's being consumed by your concerns. Uh, Some some authors have described, you might have heard this idea of worry, is worry is care gone bad. Worry is care gone unchecked. And what worry can become if we don't keep it in check, if we don't you know, evaluate our concerns is it can become anxiety. It can become this overwhelming thing, and we, again, become consumed by our concerns. That's what Jesus is getting at here. When he says don't worry, he's not saying don't care about your life and the things that could happen. He's saying don't be consumed by it. Don't be anxiously concerned. Don't let it dominate your thoughts, your perspectives, and your actions. Uh, there was a study done by an author, and this was in the early uh, 1900s, an author named A.J. Cronin. And he did a study on worry, and he broke down, generally, he broke down all human worries into five categories. This is really interesting. Listen to this. All human worries into five categories. Uh, The first he described as real legitimate worries, and he said that these worries, real legitimate things, like I think that's kind of something we've navigated here with coronavirus, is we're trying to navigate what's a legitimate worry and what's not. And he said, generally speaking, uh, 8% of our worries have to do with real legitimate things, okay? 8%, real legit things like you should care. 12% of our worries have to do with health-related things, okay? Isn't that called like being hypochondriac where you're like you're overly obsessed, okay? That number goes up, by the way, if you Google your symptoms. I just want to point that out, okay? But 12% of our worries, A.J. Cronin says, are health-related. So you got 8% real, uh, 12% are health-related. There's another category that he calls petty miscellaneous worries. I, like, I love that, like a junk drawer of worries. Just like petty miscellaneous random worries that account for 10% of our worries. Now, here's a large block. He said around, as in the survey, he found that around 30% of our worries pertain to things about the past that we can't change. 
So 8% are real legit things, 12% health-related, 10% petty miscellaneous things, and 30% are unchanging things of the past. Now listen to this last one. Here's the last category. This one makes up 40% of our worries. And you ready for it? Here's what makes up 40% of our worries, this author found, are things that never end up happening. Isn't that amazing? When you categorically break down the things that humanity worries about, the vast majority of what we worry about categorically has to do with things that never happened. It's why one author, Keith Concerta, he defined worry as the interest that you pay on a debt that you may never owe. Worry is interest that you pay on a debt that you may never owe. 40% of the time, the things that we are worrying about, when it comes to all of our worries, 40% of our worries are things that never happen. So think about what Jesus is talking about here. When Jesus says, do not worry, he's saying, do not be consumed in life by things that may not never happen. Do not be consumed to the point that you greatly fear potential outcomes more than you fear God. You see, God is always seeking to rid worry from our lives. And again, that's why Jesus here is saying, don't worry. But uh, what I love about Jesus here in this passage is it's so much more than that. Uh, Jesus doesn't only give us a command. He doesn't just tell us what not to do, don't worry. But he gives us reasons why not to do it. And I love, he even uses this phrase, consider. It's verse 28, consider the lilies of the field. Verse 26, it's look at the birds of the air. Jesus here is appealing to our intellect. The word there, consider, really means to stop and think and ponder. And this is, I think, one of the most important things that we can do when we're worrying. It's just to get a healthy dose of reality sometimes and go, okay, why am I worrying about this? Let, let me stop. And I love that Jesus does that. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, don't worry because I said so, all right? Like he, he doesn't, and that should be enough. His authority is enough to, to obey him. But Jesus takes time to appeal to our intellect to help us think about why we shouldn't. That's often where the battle for anxiety and for worry takes place. It's on the battlefield of our mind. It's our thoughts. So Jesus is going to help us do battle here against our worries by giving us, and here's what we have in this passage, he gives us five considerations, five reasons, we'll say, five reasons why not to worry. All right, so Jesus says, don't worry, and then let's look at these five reasons why not to. So let's evaluate our lives, and let's really take what he has to say to heart here. The first thing that we saw there, the first reason that Jesus gives us for why we should have no worries is, number one, we'll say this, because of what worry is. This is where he starts. Why shouldn't I worry? Well, number one, Jesus says, let's start with what worry is. And he teaches us that worry is, first and foremost, a counterfeit master. Why shouldn't I worry? Because worry is a counterfeit master. Verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, anytime you see the word therefore, we know as students of the Bible, it's always important to ask the question, what is it there for? And the idea there, again, means that anytime the word therefore is the start of a sentence, it means that there is some kind of preceding previous context that is built up to this response or this concept. So there's groundwork. Therefore, that principle uh, behind the therefore is found in verse 24. Jesus is responding with the word therefore. It's a responsive statement to a fact in verse 24 that Jesus was unpacking. Remember verse 24, Jesus said this, you cannot serve two masters. 
It's a principle he taught, right? It was Bob Dylan who said it best, that you got to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. And Jesus teaches that as well. And what Jesus says is it's either God or it's something or someone else. We know that this is what the gospel, we looked at this last week, this is what the gospel comes to liberate us from. God sent his son Jesus into the world to free us to, to become our Lord and Master, in doing so, to free us from any earthly masters and counterfeit masters, these false idols that we have given our lives to that take everything and destroy our lives. And, and Jesus comes, and this is how Paul describes the church at Thessalonica, these Christians, those who have gotten saved. He says that they are those who turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And this is the principle that Jesus is unpacking. That he has set us free to be our Lord and Savior over against everything else that bound us. So in light of this principle, again, you cannot serve two masters. The gospel is God has brought us out of that bondage into the freedom of him being our Lord. And it's in light of that that Jesus says, therefore, don't worry. You see that? Therefore, don't worry. God is now your master. Therefore, don't worry. Why? Because worry in and of itself, like money or like any other pleasure, is a master. Worry is a slave master. That's the point that Jesus is getting at, a counterfeit master. The idea is that it can take the place of God in our lives. Have you noticed the the mastering power of worry? Have you noticed how worry can operate like a false god in our lives, making us and calling us and forcing us to do things, affecting how we think? Rather than God's word giving me perspective, affecting how I see, and rather God's word determining how I act, worry can lord over us and even affect our decisions. Worry is a counterfeit master. It's not God, but it can operate as that. Some of us, we are serving worry. We're not serving God. Some of us, we're not obeying God. We're obeying worry. Worry not only causes us to do things, but worry can keep us from things. How many times in in your life, in my life, how many times in my life has worry, has fear kept me from what God was calling me to or or caused me to live in some safe, false version of it? That's the idea that worry kind of steps in and says, I'm going to be God now. I'm going to tell you what to do. Man, some of us, I've seen this, especially in this season, what we've realized is that we are mastered by worry. We might read our Bibles and go to church, but how many times does worry, in our, in our Christian American culture, most of the time, I, I've noticed this in my life, I've noticed this in, our, in the church, there's such a tendency for worry to call the shots. And so we end up serving the will of worry rather than the will of God. We end up living according to, to, to concepts like this. Here's how we make our decisions. Here's how we live our lives according to what if. Well, what if? Well, I would do that. I know God says to that, but what, what if this happens? What if that happens? Again, I'm not speaking about legitimate concern. Okay, hear me out on that. You should care. You should be wise. Okay, you should wear your seatbelt. Okay, <laughs> but there's a sense in which you become irrationally, illegitimately uh, consumed by your concerns and you live your whole life by what ifs. Instead of how we're called to live as Christians, not by what ifs, by what is, but by what is. What's true? Who is God? What has he said? So a question to begin this with is, am I mastered? Am I serving God 
or worry? Am I mastered by God or am I mastered by worry? That's the first reason Jesus gives us for why we shouldn't worry, because worry is a counterfeit master. Uh, The second reason that Jesus gives us is not just because of what worry is, but the second reason Jesus tells us not to worry is because of what life is. I love this one, because of what life is. He says, verse 25, Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, all the material needs of life. Notice this question Jesus asks. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is not life. I love this. Jesus first wants us to think about what worry is. And he's like, okay, it's a counterfeit master. Now he's going to try to call us out of worry a little bit more by forcing us, calling us to evaluate life and look at life and ask ourselves the question, what is life all about? And Jesus says, let me tell you, to start, it's so much more than what you're worrying about. I love that. Now, it's not less, most of the time, it's not less than your material needs. Like, life isn't less than clothing. It's not less than food. But it's more than that, Jesus says. This is the next reason why Jesus says not to worry, because life is so much more than what you're worried about. The idea is that when you are so consumed by your worries, you actually miss out on all that God wants to do. You miss out on what life is all about when when your whole world is what you're worried about. And, And listen, that's not the kind of life that God has saved us to live. Lives that are wasted on worry. Lives that miss out on what God has for us. So Jesus has us thinking about this principle, man, what is life about? Not, not the food and clothing, not the, it's not that what I need doesn't matter, but there's more to life than what I need. There's more to life than my worries. Let me just give you two examples of this. Two examples of how life is so much more than our worries and the things that we need. The first would be how life is also about the needs of those around me. The needs of those around me. Life is so much more than food and clothing. It's also about others around me being fed and being clothed. In fact, Jesus, I think he would, he would use this as a constant uh, reminder for his disciples as he was seeking to help them live other-centered lives. And, and often it was food and clothing that were two of the main ways that we could serve those around us. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about, uh, really it's, it's a prophetic idea too, about the end of the age and God separating the sheep and the goats, those who have um, entrance into the kingdom of God and those who are shut out for all eternity. And as he's creating that dividing line of those that are, belong to him and those that don't, the distinguishing mark is how they served those around him. And, and Jesus says, you, you, what you did to the least of these, how you serve them, you, you've actually done to me. And two of the marks there is that you clothed the naked and that you fed the poor. The idea there is that to be truly impacted, man, and transformed by the gospel of Jesus, it gets me out of myself. I'm no longer consumed with me and what I need, but I see a God that was so consumed, he's so other-centered. How could I be so impacted by an other-centered God and keep living a self-centered life? So when I experience that other-loving Uh, kind of nature of God, it forces me out. And Jesus is saying the same kind of idea. Life is so much more than what you you need. And you're going to miss out on the needs around you that God has called you to serve and fulfill, those that God has called you to clothe and feed if you're just consumed with your own needs. Life is so much more than what you're worrying about. There are people to be served. And we can't love others if we're constantly consumed with ourselves. 
It's more than that, though. I want to also submit this idea. Life is so much more than in the sense that it's not just about the needs of those around you. But let me say this. It's also the needs of your soul. Material needs matter, but your life is so much more than that. How many times in Scripture do we have this person described who has it all together on the outside, whose stomach is full, who's, who's arrayed with the finest clothing, but from God's perspective, what they have on the outside doesn't match what they need on the inside. They're materially satisfied, but spiritually poor, spiritually hungry, spiritually naked. That's the church of, in Revelation, the lukewarm church. Remember them? And Jesus says to you, you say, man, we're rich, we're, we're good, we're fed, we're clothed, but you do not know that you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And that's what God says in Revelation. Jesus says that to the, to the church that's not hot or cold, cold, but right there in the middle. See, when your entire life is what you're, you're worried about, often the material things, you miss out on what matters most. It's the spiritual things. So, so okay, you have a full belly. And okay, you have clothing on, but what about in a spiritual sense? Let's just use this as an allegory. Uh, Are you as spiritually full with the word of God as you are with physical food? Remember Jesus kind of alludes to this in the Gospel of John when he says this, don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal on him. What about spiritual food? What about spiritual clothing? It's more that life is more than material clothing. You, you know, you could be dressed the nicest and be clothed in the worst attitudes, right? And how many times does Paul in the New Testament call us as Christians to put on the garment of humility, to put on the garment of love? This is the second reason why Jesus says not to worry, because what life is all about so much more than what you're worrying about, the needs of those around me and even the deeper needs of your own soul. Thirdly, third reason, And if right now you're worried about there being too many points, I would just say, do not worry, O you of little faith, okay? Point number three. Point number three that Jesus gives is because of what God is. This is probably the kicker. This is the main point of the passage. So why not to worry? Because of what what worry is, a counterfeit master. Why not to worry? Reason number two, because of what life is, so much more than what you're worrying about, so many more opportunities to serve and love, so many deeper needs of your soul. And thirdly, because of, why should I worry? Because of what God is. This is, if anything, the main reason why not to worry. What is God or who is God? Jesus teaches that he is a caring and faithful father. This should inform your peace. This should inform your faith. This, should re- this is the remedy to worry knowing who God is as a father. Jesus says, verse 26, look at the bird, notice how he says this too, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, aka they don't clock in, you know, and clock out nine to five. Um, they're, not, they're not toiling and laboring, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you, not a, are you not of more value than they? What a beautiful statement. Are you not of more value than they? And then he says, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon in his kingdom were renowned for its glory. People from nations around would just come to set their eyes on the glory. It's like going to Disney World and you're like, look how good the landscaping is here. You know, like that's what they would do, going to see the glory of Solomon's kingdom. And and Jesus is like, look at the, the grass of the field. Look at the lilies. Look at the flowers. Look how gloriously arrayed creation is by this faithful God. He says, how much more will God clothe you, O you of little faith? Here's what he's getting at. Um, Jesus is saying this. Ready? Listen. 
Jesus is causing his followers, he's saying, look, look at the special attention, the attention to detail even, that God gives to even feeding the birds of the air and to clothing the grass of the field. Look at the attention that he gives to those who are just creatures of his creation. And he uses this phrase, how much more? If God cares for basic creatures of his creation, how much more would he care for you? You're more than his creation. You're his child. How much more? He says, are you not of more value than they? God is your heavenly father. And he, he's, he's faithful, the idea there. He cares and he is faithful to provide, to provide for you because you are valuable to him. He is aware of every single need in your life from the big ones to the small ones. And that's what Jesus is causing us to see, even the birds of the air. God is not some absentee kind of at a distant general provider. God is so good that he's attentive to even the small details, the minute details of our lives. He is our father and he's a good father who always takes care of his children. He provides what we need and he even knows what we need more than we do. So when we're not getting what we need, we can trust in his goodness, we can trust in his care, we can trust in his faithfulness. Now, Jesus in saying this is he's advocating for another way, okay? He's advocating for instead of worrying, let's trust in the faithfulness of God to give us what we need. And he's comparing the two. He's comparing trusting in the faithfulness of God versus and over against worrying about the things in your life. Now, there's really two options, at the end of the day, there's things that we are concerned about in a legitimate way, and that's okay. When it comes to being consumed by what concerns you, there's two options. You either trust in the faithfulness of God and who you are to him and who he is to you, or you worry. And Jesus says this. as He kind of goes, okay, let's, let's try the worry option for a second. I love this question. He goes, who by worrying, verse 27, can add one cubit to his stature? And in other words, does worry even do anything? That's what he's getting at. He goes, what middle school sixth grader has ever come in, saw an eighth grader, and then worried and got instantly taller? Okay. Who by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Who actually gets anywhere through worrying? In fact, this is a Greek phrase, one cubit to his stature. And, and if it was used in that culture, the, the language actually, it could be used to describe height. Like if, if you lack height and you worry, maybe you'll get taller, like uh, Tom Hanks, you know, and big. But like most of the time, this phrase was used and it was actually, the, 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 the idiom was used to describe the length of your life, actually, not your height. So it could also be understood as who by worrying could add another second or day to his life. And in fact, what we find the more that science gets into anxiety and worry is you find that worry, not only is it not effective in, in getting you where you want to go, but it's actually destructive. Worry not, not, it's not just that worry won't add days to your life, but worry, science will show us now, actually takes days away from your life. Worry. Jesus is comparing these two options. I can, I can either trust in a f- the faithfulness of God. This, by the way, this doesn't mean that I go, yeah, I'm going to be like the birds of the air. I'm not going to labor. I'm not going to clutch. God's going to take care. No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about trusting God with the things you can't control. With, with what you can control, be faithful. With what you can't control, trust God. The other option is, well, I can try to worry. Jesus goes, who has that actually worked for? Who actually grew taller? Whose life got longer? It's been said this way. I love this, that worry, it's actually like a rocking chair. 
It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere, okay? It's, it's like trying to travel across the world on a treadmill, a stationary treadmill. I saw a video on YouTube of this guy that, like, attached a treadmill to a go, pe- go, uh, like a go ped, and he was running on the treadmill out in public. So aside from that treadmill, okay, you get the idea, right? Right? Worry doesn't compare to trusting in God. Worry can't provide you what you need. It's not going to get you anywhere, it, I mean, who actually said, man, I'm so glad I worried about that. I'm so glad I stressed about that. I'm so glad I haven't slept in two weeks. I'm in such a better place now. But look at the, the testimony of those that have said, you know what, I, didn't, I chose not to worry but trust God. And hey, everything didn't turn out the way that my, my own will wanted it to, but God is still faithful, and I have the peace that comes from knowing his character. There's nothing that compares to that. Um, most of us, what we need to do here is re- release the illusion of control <laughs> and just remember, is, oh, come on, is there anything uh, that, that's produced this more than this past five to six months that we've been in? We are so out of control. There is so very little that we control. Now, with the little we've been entrusted with, we've got to be faithful. But let's be reminded, we're like the birds of the air, man. We are entirely dependent on the faithfulness of the one who's in control, man. Worry's not going to get us where only God can. Fourthly, and it's kind of unpacking this idea, God is, uh, the the third reason uh, of why not to worry is because of what God is, a caring, again, and faithful father. And in light of that, Jesus expounds on what this means for us. The fourth reason why not to worry is because of what you are. Let's unpack this a little further. Uh, You are God's own child. We are God's own children. This is the fourth reason why Jesus says why not to worry. Why? Because of what worry is, number one. Because of what life is, number two, so much more than things we worry about. Because of what God is, number three, a faithful and caring provider. Because of what you are, what you and I are, what we are, God's children. Jesus unpacks this a little bit more in verse 31. He says, therefore, don't worry. Don't worry. What what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? What about the basic necessities of my life? What about my life? Jesus says in verse 32, for all these things, these are the things, he says, that the Gentiles seek. Okay, uh, the Gentiles, it, it wasn't just the non-Jewish people. This was an expression to use, used of those who are strangers to the promises and the faithfulness of God. These are those that were, that, that were not the people of God. Now, the good news of the gospel is that even those, it, there is no longer Jew nor Gentile, that in Christ we are all one. Um, that despite my lack of upbringing in the Jewish tradition, Jesus made a way for even uh, the pagan, pagans of this world, the non-Jews, to be saved. But in that phrase, the word Gentile, was a, it was an expression was synonymous with, with non-believers. And, and Jesus is getting us to think about what we're seeking. And when, you, when, he, when he's thinking about it, he says, a non-believer, he goes, non-believers, okay? If you're a non-believer, you're someone, your entire life is about seeking the things of this world. He goes, notice that phrase, these are all the things the Gentiles seek. But then he turns it on you, he goes, but that's not who you are, you're not a non-believer. Who you are matters, you're a child of God. If you were a Gentile, worry makes sense. If you're a non-believer, if there's no hope of eternal life, if if there's no security of having a heavenly father, you should worry. What security do you have, Right? What hope do you have? You should wear a hazmat suit 24-7 and lock yourself in a basement or something, okay? You get what I'm getting at here? 
If your whole life, if there's no eternal life, if there's no relationship with God, man, if, if you're a non-believer, if, that, if that's your life, of course your whole life should be about preserving it. But you're not who you were. You were once not the people of God, but you are now the people of God. He says this, in, in contrast to that, he says, for your heavenly Father knows all the things that you need. I'm different. You're different. We should look different because we have a heavenly father. And, and look, here's how it looks different. Here's what it looks like. But in light of that, he says, we're not like the Gentiles that live lives seeking life preservation and living our whole life for material needs consumed by our concerns. He said, but we are those, verse 33, who seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness, not consumed with material needs, but I'm consumed with the things of God. I'm consumed with the kingdom of God. Not my own earthly kingdom, but the, the eternal kingdom of God. And here's what he says, and all, God's going to take care of you. God's going to give you what you need. He, here's what's most important about you as a child of God. What you seek, what you seek is the most important thing. And I, I genuinely believe this. And I'm not here as a, as a therapist, a psychologist, trying to trying to prescribe issue, you know, solutions for serious issues with anxiety. Listen, I'm just, this is the words of Jesus. And just on a basic level, I genuinely believe that, that a lot of our anxiety and a lot of our worry at the end of the day is a seeking issue. It's a genuine seeking issue. I know for me, most of my anxiety comes for, because I'm seeking God second, third, or fourth. And I'm being God first. And I'm trying to will my way into this life. And Jesus says, listen, it's backwards. The peace comes when I seek God first. Because I'm a child of God now. I don't waste my life seeking the things of this world. And I really think that this is important to have as a discipline. So like, I know Jesus is not saying that. But I, 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 I find it's amazing how different my day is dependent upon what I seek first in the morning. Like how I start my day, it matters. Um, so like a, a principle that I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not nailing right now, but I know I need to, is spiritual before digital. Like anything digital. Because I, like, I don't need a smartphone to have anxiety. That's my problem. <laughs> like I've got, you know, I've got my own headlines in here. And I wake up like with them rolling. Or I'm up all night. You know, they're just going, going. And when I, first thing in the morning, I have three things on my mind, okay? Me, myself, and I. Those three, in that order, okay? And just, okay, what do I have going on? What do I have to do today? What about my reputation? What about my issues? What about my problems? And, and God is just waiting there to offer peace, right? Jesus, and I, I think this is a great rule of life, man. Start your day first, not with the latest headline, not with your, how many likes did you get on that photo, not with who's following you, okay? Start your day with Jesus. Seek first. I would just say this, and I, and I don't, I hate to, I, I cringe when people, um, when, when people uh, kind of prescribe Christianity pragmatically, like, try this, okay? Try seeking God and see how it works for you, okay? Because it's not about you, but I in a sense, I want to say that. Devote your life to seeking God first in all things, in, in the chronology of your day, and uh, just watch what God does. 
and, and man, I used to say this as a youth pastor, and you probably heard this in youth ministry, but I, I think it's still true. I've never met one person that ordered their life this way that regretted it. And they said, man, I really wish I would have done more worrying. You know? like, if I would have spent more time worrying, I think I'd be in a better place. But Jesus says, here's the prescription to your worry. Seek first the kingdom. Spend your time. Listen, it's not our natural prerogative to seek God first, but do it. Discipline your life around the things of God and watch what happens. And practically, man, this could look like spending time alone in prayer in the morning. It looks like reading the Psalms in the morning. It looks like digesting scripture, listening to worship music. However you can practically seek God, I would encourage us to do that first thing in the morning. Hey, last point here. Uh, Don't worry about it. One more, okay? We'll close with this last one because Jesus does. You think that you think four reasons would be enough not to worry, and these they were sufficient. But Jesus also, I love this great reminder. He says, number five, he, he gives us the last reason why not to worry, and it's it's because of what today is. I love this. So because of what worry is, worry is a counterfeit master, because of what life is, so much more than what you're worrying about, because of what God is, a faithful and caring provider, because of what you are, you are his child, and your life is now ordered around seeking him first, and then Fifthly, because of what today is, Jesus wants us to think about the nature of right now, of this block of time that we have here today. And he says this, in light of that, here's the next reason, the last reason not to worry. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. I grew up hearing this. Did you? Tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself. I didn't know Jesus actually said this, okay? I mean, I did, obviously, like before today, all right? But like, it's interesting. Growing up, I didn't realize that. These, Jesus is the one who says, listen, let tomorrow worry about itself, okay? Like, I'm so worried. Well, to let tomorrow worry. I love that Jesus, like, um, he humanizes tomorrow as like a person that can worry about itself, right? And he says this. Here's the reason why. For sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's what today is. Today is sufficient in its own troubles, all right, let tomorrow worry about itself, okay? Today has its own issues, okay? Today's sufficient. Um, uh, today doesn't need tomorrow's troubles is the idea, okay? And I want you to know that in your life right now. Today doesn't need tomorrow's troubles. Tomorrow will be today, tomorrow, Okay? And in that day, it'll be sufficient. And the idea here is that God is faithful with what's going on in our lives. Even the troubles of today, God wants to use. And it's like sometimes worrying, you know, I think for a lot of us, what we're trying to do is rid our life of troubles. And what God wants us to do is, is to trust him in our troubles. And if we're so consumed with tomorrow's troubles, we're actually missing out on what God's trying to do right now in our troubles. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, it's, it's trouble overload, okay? You, you do not have within, and I think this is an important time for this right now, because we have social media, and we have access now more than ever to all the troubles in the world at once. And we're just like taking it in every day, like, oh, I gotta be compassionate, this is, and you can get, you ever got like fatigue? Like, that's so many issues. And I'm not saying to turn the blind eye, right, to the, 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 the one who's on the side of the road, and be the good Samaritan, don't, don't do that. But sufficient for today is its own troubles. Don't be so consumed with tomorrow that you miss out on what God is doing today. All you have is today. Next time you start worrying about tomorrow, remember, all I have is today. I don't have to, tomorrow? That's not, not my control. All I have is today, and this is where I need to be. This is where God is, right here, right now, with me. We'll close with this as I invite the band up. We need to trust tomorrow to the, uh, and the future of tomorrow to the one who actually holds it. 
Uh, he's the one that holds our, not just the future, but listen, he holds our lives. Our lives are in his very hand. And from that same hand that feeds the birds, from that same hand that clothes the lilies of the field, his hand is strong enough, it's sufficient enough to hold you, to care for your life. You have never, listen, if you are in Christ, I want you to know this. You have never fallen out of the hand of God. Despite what you're walking through right now, despite what's happened, God has always had you. And if you would just seek knowing him first, you'll learn to rest in his hand. You'll, you'll learn to stop trying to hold everything and try to control everything, but you can just release it to his faithful and sovereign care. You were never meant to bear all the troubles of this world. Jesus is the one who overcame the world. What you're meant to do is to trust him. To trust him. Man, and who, who more has proven their faithfulness to us than God? He's already, pro he, God, listen, here's why you shouldn't worry. Here's point number six that's not on the screen. God has already given us enough reasons not to worry in providing his son Jesus to take care of our greatest need. Your greatest need wasn't spiritual or material. Your greatest need wasn't health related. Your greatest need in life isn't academic. Your greatest need in life is not relational in, in, in a human sense. Your and my greatest need from the eyes of God is to be reconciled to him in relationship. Our greatest problem, the greatest thing that we should worry about and be consumed and concerned with is our disconnect from our heavenly father because of our sin. But even to that, Jesus says, don't worry. I'll take upon myself your sin. I will give my life to be a bridge between you and God. And through faith and trust in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, I'm right with God. I become one with God. And I don't have to worry anymore about my relationship or my standing with him because Jesus paid it all. That should inform my faith. It was Romans 8 where Paul says, man, if God did not withhold his son, but God gave up his own son for us, won't he also give us freely all the things we need? God is faithful. He's faithful. He's worthy of our trust. Let's praise him for that together.